glad to see you here today. You've heard the song, I'm sure, a long time ago. All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. All I want for Christmas is for my voice to clear up so I can yell at you folks a little better. And I know you have thanked the Lord several times that I've kind of toned down, but it's not, uh, I hope it's not a permanent thing, at least. I hope not. I don't know about my wife, but uh, she'll, uh, she appreciates my not uh, being so loud at the house either. All right, if you have your Bible, please turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. I'd like to read three verses. John, chapter 1, and we'll read verse 1, 2, and also verse 14. John, chapter 1, and verse number 1. The Scripture reads in this manner and says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And the Word, this is verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of of grace and truth. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, you know thy servant's desire that we be a blessing to the folks who come together to worship you this morning. You alone know the particular and specific needs of our hearts. And we know that you have a word for every one of us. So I pray that our hearts will be open our ear and mind attentive, that we may hear from you as you speak to us individually as well as collectively. Thank you for those who visit with us today. What a joy, what an honor it is to have them and then to see the faithfulness of our own people as they have come together to worship you this day. Be honored now, we pray, and glorified For thou alone art worthy. In the name of our Lord Jesus, we humbly pray. And for his sake, amen. I call your attention to verse 14, where the verse declares, And we beheld his glory. And we beheld his glory. The word beheld, or the word behold that you'll find often in the scripture is something of a mental traffic light. It calls for us to stop, to look, and indeed to listen. That something very important is about to be said or seen. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, the familiar verse of scripture reads, Behold, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. All of that great truth is prefaced by the word behold. So something of great importance is herein revealed. Now John says 
we beheld his glory. Moses desired to see the glory of God. In Exodus chapter 33 and verse 18, he said that I may see thy glory. And yet Moses did not fully see the glory of God, but the Lord revealed only the afterglow of his glory to Moses. And so one of the great needs of our day is for men indeed to see the glory of God. Now, I think there are many ways in which we can approach these verses of Scripture that I've read. But let me just give you a few words to help guide you along as you look at these verses with me. In verse number one, there is the thought of origination. In the beginning, and the question comes, what beginning? Literally, in the language of the Greek New Testament, in which the New Testament was written primarily, there is found no definite article before the word beginning, which means that the word the has simply been added that might be more clearly understood. But what the verse actually says is this, in beginning, which is to declare that before anything was, God was. Before anything was made that was made, God existed. A child's mind often asks the question to mom or dad or to the teacher, where did God come from? And yet God came from nowhere. You and I are the ones who came from God. God created man by his own power and by his own hand. But here, John is simply saying, in beginning was the Word. Now that brings the thought of a designation. A designation of this one who was before even anything was that was made. That very designation is given as the Word. A designation that is given to our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the divine Logos, the divine Word. Now, a word is used to convey and to communicate an idea, a thought, or even used to reveal a person. Now, we have people in our church from all parts of our country. We have Yankees who have been converted, and they have come south. We have folks from Pennsylvania. We have them from New Jersey and Michigan and Ohio, and yet every one of them just reveal themselves as to their origin by their manner of speaking. In other words, a word reveals oneself. A word will tell you whether or not a person is trained or not trained, one who is educated or uneducated. Now, what I'm trying to get you to see is this, that our Lord is known as the Word. 
the word of God. In other words, uh, here it is, and the word was with God, verse 1, and the word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God. So we're talking about our eternal God in beginning. He is designated as the word. But now at verse 14, you have the thought of incarnation. Verse 14 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The Word uh, made flesh here, literally became flesh and dwelt among us, infers the fact that our Lord God came down and clothed himself in the garment of human flesh. We know that as, again, the incarnation. The word itself means in flesh men. God, who is spirit, takes upon the form of man, was made in the likeness of man, of sinful man, and came to this world to purchase our redemption. So you have the fact of incarnation that Jesus Christ, the babe that was born in Bethlehem, is in reality God come down to dwell among men. Remember in Matthew chapter 1, at verse 21, the verse says, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin." but also his name would be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. So here in these very wonderful and very great truths of the Gospel of John, we have the fact of the origin, the origination. That is, God from even before the world was created. His designation as the Word, coming to reveal God to man. And thus when he did come and took upon himself the form of flesh and of man, the thing that happened was simply this. He made the invisible visible. He made the untouchable touchable. He made the inaudible audible. That is our God who came and took upon himself our form and our very likeness. There is that thought of the exaltation of our Lord. And we beheld his glory. And there are two or three areas that we can certainly behold the glory of, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Behold his glory in his birth. What a unique birth this was. And yet the birth itself was not so unique as was his conception. We often talk of the virgin birth, and we believe that, and we proclaim that. But it was more of a virgin conception as well. For it was within the womb of this virgin called Mary, that our Savior's body was conceived. And thus, his birth was unique. 
in that he came into this world without an earthly or human father. Thomas Paine, the infamous, perhaps infidel, yet writer of the 1700s, wrote a book called Common Sense. And yet it is not common sense as far as man's reason is concerned that a child can be born into this world and have no human father. But whether it is common sense or not, it is the truth that is revealed in the very Word of God. The Son of God born of, a, of the Virgin Mary. And so uh, His birth, we see the glory of our Savior in His unique birth. Not only that, but he, we see His glory in His influence. The influence that is felt by you and by me this very day from one who was born over 2,000 years ago. Think of all that we would not have had if he had not been born. Think of all of the wonder of even the Christmas season. Think of the schools, the universities. Think of the hospitals. Think of our very, our very way of life. Think of the liberty that we enjoy. All of these come forth as results of the influence of Christ and His church and the doctrine and teachings of Christianity. There's been an influence on the world. There's been an influence in history. History could never be the same after this one whose glory we behold, was born and brought, uh, brought into this very world. Look again, if you will, at the influence upon our lives individually. Oh, what a change he has made in the lives of those who trusted him and truly know him as their Savior. What a difference he makes. What an influence he has, has uh, held over my own life and over your life. So uh, behold him in, his in the glory of uh, his birth. And then again, you can behold him in his glory in uh, the life that he lived. He lived a common life. His life was among common folks. He came uh, from a little village called Nazareth that indeed was considered as nothing and yet Jesus uh, had no place to lay his head no place no roof over his head no place that he could really call his home and yet our Lord's glory was seen in all that he did and all that he performed in his ministry among common people and I'm glad that the common people, the scripture says, heard him well. Not only do I see his glory in the fact of his common life, but I see his glory in the compassion that he showed men and women of every station and every walk of life. In our great Sunday school lesson this morning from John chapter 4, the story of the Samaritan woman what great compassion uh, the Lord Jesus showed this woman, uh, a woman steeped in sin, 
a woman who was considered as nothing in the minds of those who knew her. And yet Jesus manifests a tender compassion, willing to take her unto himself and be her Savior. I think not only that, but I see his glory in the committed life that he lived. He was constantly ever aware of the will of God for his life. The reason many people who are Christians that foul up and make a mess of their life is that there is no consciousness and no consideration of the will of God for their life. Jesus said, I came to do thy will. Not my will was his constant cry, but thy will be done. And so I see God's glory in the person of Christ in the very life that he lived. Then I see his glory in the death that he died. Oh, what a death he died on that cross for you and me. I see it though in, uh, amid all of the agony and the suffering and the pain, the piercing side, the crown of thorns, all of the mistreatment of our Savior, I see in it a glory. For his death was a death of substitution. He died in my place. He died in your place. What glory there is then in the death of our Lord Jesus, dying for you, dying for me. In the very time when Jesus was arraigned before Pilate, you remember that the cry was, Whom shall I release unto you? Jesus our Barabbas. And the crowd cried, Release unto us Barabbas. But Barabbas, according to the Bible, was a, a, a thief, perhaps even a murderer, a robber. And yet they wanted this man to go free. And yet the only way he could go free was for one to take his place. Jesus Christ took the place that Barabbas deserved. He suffered the pains of the cross that Barabbas deserved. But over and beyond that, he took the cross that you and I deserve. Every one of us deserve the judgment of God. We deserve the wrath of God. But yet our Lord Jesus came and died a death for us that was literally in our stead. The Bible teaches according to the scripture that this is a great part of the gospel. Paul talked about the gospel when he wrote the Corinthians and he said that gospel that I preach to you how that Christ died according to the scripture how that he was buried and that on the third day he rose again I see glory in the death of our Lord in that it was a death that he died in my stead and in yours and yes it, I see glory in it in that it was a saving death. He provided salvation. God's very plan of salvation and redemption was complete. As you hear the Christ of the cross cry, it is finished. It is finished. What is finished? All that eternity had planned for the redemption of man was completed 
God put his seal upon the purchase of our redemption by the raising of his son from that tomb on the third day. Again, I see glory. I see his glory in his death, a substitutionary death, a saving death, and yet a satisfying death. To whom? It satisfied the demands of a holy God. God in his holiness demanded a, a just penalty and a just payment for sin. And that payment was the pure, sinless blood of the sinless Son of God. No one else could have purchased salvation for us nor satisfied the demands of God other than our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible reads in Isaiah 53 at verse 10 and 11 and says that he is satisfied with the bruising of his servant, with the very death of his servant. God indeed was satisfied because the price had been paid that he demanded. And then let me close by saying, I behold and will behold rather his glory when he comes again. Our Lord is coming again. As sure as he was born the first time, he is coming a second time. This same Jesus that you've seen go away into heaven, he said, will so come in like manner as you've seen him go. We are very fast approaching the hour when our, Lord spoke, when our Lord declared that he would come as a thief in the night, one taken, the other left. Oh, listen, uh, the coming of our Lord draws near. There is a certain sense and awareness and expectancy in the hearts of born-again men and women uh, that's saying uh, something uh, big is going to happen. Something great is about to occur. And I believe in my heart it is the coming of our Lord in the clouds of glory for those who have believed on Him and trusted Him as their personal Savior. Jesus said, if I go away, I will come again. And so I see glory in His birth. I see His glory in the life that He lived. I see glory in the death that he died. And I see glory in the coming again that he has promised. I want to ask you this morning, if he were to come today, are you ready for his coming? Has there ever been a moment in your life when you realized you were a sinner, that you were lost and you needed a Savior? You were so aware of the sin of your life you knew that you needed God's forgiveness. And that because of that awareness, there was that moment when you came acknowledging to the Lord you were a sinner and that you wanted Him to be your Savior. Oh, if not, I pray that you'll do that this morning. Don't let this Christmas season go by and leave the greatest gift God ever offered to man under the tree but take that gift that God offers you today by grace 
It's not because we deserve the gift of God, but because God chose to offer it to you and says, whosoever will, let him come. He'll save you if you have a hunger, a desire in your heart to know that your sins are forgiven. And I'm here to tell you, I mean every one of you. The yesterdays of your life can be as clean a page as the as the as tomorrow is for your life. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. And He'll forgive you and cleanse you and make you His very child right here this morning. Would you stand with me with bowed heads as we pray together? Heavenly Father, I humbly pray this morning for those who may be present in our service that have never, never faced the, 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 the truth that they are a sinner and they need a Savior. You tell us in your word that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I pray somehow today that men will face that issue, realizing they truly need the Savior, that new birth, that new life that can only come through Christ. I ask you that you would give courage to those of your children who may have grown slack, cold of heart, careless in their lives. May they realize today is the wonderful day, the great day when life could begin, as it were, anew for them, with your being first and foremost in their lives. I pray for those who need, Lord, to come into the fellowship of our church. We pray that you might give them direction. Lord, may your will be done. Those who may desire to come by transfer of membership from another church of like faith, are coming by statement saying, I know I've been saved. I followed the Lord in believer's baptism, and I want to be a part of this fellowship. Maybe there are those who are here that have just been saved. And I pray that you give them courage to come, to follow you in obedience, and to become a part of this fellowship. Now, Lord, be honored in this moment of invitation. May folks respond to your voice. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.